0: everybody, this is another edition of the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPelli.com, by Saint Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And just bear with me as I try to get this microphone squared away. A little bit of equipment issues this morning as we get into anything going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unify in America. A um, couple topics we're going to hit up pretty hard today. And, you know, there's really things out there that'll make you want to think and it will kind of make you, you know, open up your mind to, to say, are we are we always doing the right thing or our intentions always where they need to be? And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about to start out, we'll, we'll do a little promotion of the top 100 offensive position players of all time, which. We've spent a lot of time on, we made some updates on the website, you got some links to the players, you can look at their baseball reference page by just clicking on the player's name on the website. Um, The book I think is going to be exciting, it's going to open up a whole new dimension to baseball and its history, and things that we haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about, players, that you're just like, who was that again? And he was really that good? Um, I've profiled well over 400 players already as we get set for this book. And, you know, I apologize if the uh, wire is kind of in the way. Looks like it is. Hey, guys, it should be a little bit better. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about the the book coming out, hopefully before the end of the year, most of the manuscripts put together. And like I said, most importantly, the list, top 100 offensive position players. You can see it on johnpiele.com. I want to hear yours. I want you to comment. Let me know. You know where do you think I reached where do you who do you think I missed is there a player that's in your top 100 that you say hey is unequivocally one of the top 100 offensive position players of all time and I want you to ask me why is that player not on your list so Fernando Tatis has to apologize for swinging on a 3-0 pitch hitting a grand slam and there's so many different ways you could go with this because i don't like going the conventional way and say hey this is what everybody else has said i'm going to say the same thing but it's it's hard to put a contrarian point of view when it comes to a player that, that's just playing baseball with a lead. now once again baseball has never instituted a forfeit rule they have never instituted a mercy rule and it, once again we're talking and you could hear all these discussions about china speed up the game, trying to maybe end games early. You got seven inning double-headers, you got runners from second base in the beginning of extra innings, obviously things that the conventional baseball fan is gonna hate. And then we have a discussion here about what is the proper etiquette to play in a baseball game where you're ahead by a lot of runs. Well, usually if you're ahead by a lot of runs, It's because the other team did not perform too well. We know that maybe not necessarily to the level of football, but there is some sort of parity when it comes to baseball. Any baseball team out of the 30 can beat any of the other 30 baseball teams. You know, the Yankees could go out there against the Detroit Tigers, and the Detroit Tigers can beat the New York Yankees. It doesn't mean that the Detroit Tigers are better than the New York Yankees, but if the Tigers win a game, Nobody's going to look back at the history of upsets when it comes to sports and saying, "Hey, how could the Yankees with all that talent lose to that Detroit Tiger team that is in what we consider the early stages of a rebuild?" That happens and we don't question it. We know games in baseball you have three-game series, four-game series, and you know there's a chance that a bad team is going to win one out of three or one out of four against a really good team. So we know your team is only as good as your starting pitcher the next day. Your team is only as good as the start you get off to in the next game. So why are we talking about teams needing to calm down when they have a certain leap I remember watching a Mets game last year, and I think it was during one of my fantasy football drafts, because I remember leaving my buddy's house, and we were watching as the Mets had a 10-4 to lead going in the ninth inning. Nationals get a couple of guys on base, and we're saying in our heads, wow, what if the Mets lose this game? What if the Nationals come back from six runs down in the ninth inning and win? And as the Nationals were coming back and it started to not look so good for the Mets, you saw every reason why it probably wouldn't hurt to tack on a couple runs when you have the opportunity to. And Fernando Tatis hitting a grand slam when a team's up seven runs. Like I said, if you're an opposing team and you don't want to give up any more runs, there should be an opportunity to forfeit. There should be an opportunity to you know, consult with the home plate umpire, the crew chief, of the game and say you know what our team doesn't feel fit to play baseball anymore we're down by too many runs we're going to take the loss we're going to take this as a forfeit and you know what if you think that sounds silly it doesn't sound anywhere near as silly as anybody bitching and complaining that a player shouldn't try as hard when a team is up by a certain amount of runs fernando tatis Didn't do anything wrong. He hit a ball, a meatball, that was right down the middle over the friggin' fence. Against a pitcher that loaded the bases. Against a pitcher that didn't have any control and had walked two batters before Tatis got up. A pitcher that fell behind three balls and zero strikes. So just to have a take to say, hey, it's not good for baseball, it's not good for sportsmanship... Imagine how that would apply to the NFL. A team's up by four touchdowns, and you know what? That running back should just try to run out of bounds. He shouldn't. Uh, he shouldn't try to move down the field if the other team isn't willing to tackle him. Is this really where we're getting to? And I think the problem here is it's a combination of the unwritten rules, sports fans or baseball fans. And a generation that's getting very soft. A generation that doesn't want to see a disparity between one team and, and the other. And like I said, the Padres and the Rangers could have a game that goes so much in the Padres' favor and play a game the next day and have the Rangers dominate the Padres. That's baseball. So why are we all hung up on a team taking liberties with a large league? There's no cap on the amount of runs that you could score in a game. And you remember the old World Baseball Classic, what was it, 2012 or 2014, when Team Mexico and Team Canada had that big brawl, all because one of the teams was trying to pile on some runs. I think it was Canada. They were trying to add some more runs because run differential or total runs scored was one of the tiebreakers to move on to the next round. Well, that's something that failed to get communicated amongst the teams when it looked like the score was being run up. When Canada was trying to run up the score, Mexico took liberties, A guy at third base, I forgot the guy's name, Cruz, I think his name was, decides to say, hey, go hit the next guy. Hit him right in the friggin' head. Yeah, that was a misunderstanding. But you see what can happen when a team looks to be taking advantage of another team. And this wasn't even a the situation there. And this is what's so embarrassing about it, where you have one of the top young players in all Major League Baseball, one of the players that over time you're going to look at and say, hey, this is going to be one of the players. We're going to build our game of Major League Baseball around. And you have him apologize. Like actually get up in a press conference setting. Like he's got to say he's sorry for trying too hard. What did that pitcher have to lose other than his own credibility and his own dignity by giving up runs in that spot? There is no way under any circumstances that any player should try not to hit the ball as hard and as far as they can. I get it. You know, if Tatis hits a ball off the wall and he's trying to stretch a double into a triple, he's trying to stretch a triple into a home run, and it looks like it's a little bit excessive I can almost see the point, but I still can't see the point. The guy's swing at a three and zero pitch, the pitcher's gotta make a better pitch. There is no courtesy rule that says you're not allowed to swing at a three and zero pitch. In fact, if you look at the numbers, swings at three and zero counts are up as high as they've ever been over the last couple of years, particularly in the year of twenty twenty. You know why? Because pitchers are still very likely to throw an easy pitch right down the middle. And batters are looking at opportunity. Batters are looking at that, a three and zero count, as their best chance to see a fastball, and a fastball in a location that they're probably not going to see one in. And you know what? In the end, it is all about their numbers. Now, as it applies to winning and losing a baseball game, it isn't about the numbers. But as the players move forward, as... The San Diego Padres go to battle Fernando Tatis in arbitration in a couple of years. It's about what numbers Fernando Tatis put up. So the Padres who take the stance of, all right, our guy maybe did a bad job and he has to go out there and apologize would have held the fact that Fernando Tatis didn't hit a grand slam in that spot, took a fastball right down the middle, and maybe didn't get a pitch that he could hit the next time and hit a pop-up to second base to end the inning. That's one less home run. That's four less runs batted in. And you know the way Major League Baseball owners are in act. So it's kind of set up for the player to fail there. There's nothing that they can do right. But one thing that's got to change, seriously, are these unwritten rules in baseball. If something's so important, make it a rule. Put something in writing that makes it a rule. And there's nothing more embarrassing than see somebody call out and say, hey, that's an unwritten rule that you broke. It was never a rule in the first place. And players have the ability to police things on the field. So if that pitcher, the pitcher just came in a game, was bothered by Juan D'Ocasio giving up a grand slam to Fernando Tatis and he wants to throw at Manny Machado. I don't have as much of a problem with that. Some people may. Some people may say that's childish. That's, you know, being a little bit of a whiner or a crier or a baby. And maybe they're right. But I don't have any issue with players taking a game in our own hands. You know, Jose Bautista celebrated a home run, which the Texas Rangers, and, you know, it's amazing we're talking about the same team here, didn't like that. You know, have the Texas Rangers become the police of Major League Baseball over the last, you know, five years or so? I don't know. But they decided to take it in their own hands. They threw the ball at Bautista. They hit him. Bautista was upset. He slid hard in a rug door, and they slugged it out on the baseball field. That's baseball. We've seen baseball like this for 150 years. Players have the ability to police themselves. But to go out there and make the guy apologize, geez, I mean, he can't look any more soft. Fernando Tatis didn't do anything wrong, and he's gotten a lot of encouragement over the last couple days or so. There's been greats in Major League Baseball that have supported Fernando Tatis, and they should. Like I said, he's one of the brighter young talents in the entire sport, could become one of the better players in the entire game. And actually, if you look at his numbers this year, he... From a performance standpoint, he is the best player in baseball right now. Maybe not completely. Maybe at this moment, 2020, you look at his stats, he's tearing the cover off the ball. And you know what? I encourage him to swing in more 3-0 and zero counts. Because you know what? If we're studying numbers and analytics, and we're talking about batters getting the best opportunity to hit a baseball, it's with a 3-0 and zero count. I'm surprised that more hitters are not swinging 3-0. and up. And I'm sorry for saying O because O is a letter and zero is a number. This and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program such as by charging admission for its showing. Is similarly prohibited. So, the other thing that we have to talk about, and it's unfortunate because you've seen a couple slips or a couple incidents where individuals have shown their true color in a public forum unintentionally, but it's come out there, and those individuals unfortunately have to deal with the consequences of their action. And longtime major league broadcaster Tom Brenneman said something that, unfortunately, you can't get caught saying. And there's really no excuse for it. There's no excuse for using any sort of slur with the possibility that a hot mic could pick it up. Obviously, he wasn't on the air, or he didn't think he was on the air. His intention was not to say what he said on the air. But the bottom line is he did. And you can tell the guy feels awful about it. He, he ended up leaving the booth in the middle of the broadcast. As it's obviously something that if you realize the significance of what you said, especially somebody that takes pride in their voice. You know, if I go out there and a hot mic picks up me saying something that I shouldn't be saying, I know I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to conduct myself like a professional. Even if I disagree with a commenter, even if I disagree with a caller, even if I disagree with somebody else's point of view, I have the responsibility to conduct myself and say things in a way that they should be said. And random comments that include slurs or words that shouldn't be said are unacceptable. That being said, we are in a culture where it seems like we're gravitating ourselves towards it. Should Tom Brenneman lose his job over it? He might. And if he does, I don't think anybody's going to be upset over it. If Tom Brenneman resigns as the play-by-play man of the Cincinnati Reds, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked. But from the outsiders continuing to pile on as if this person is such an evil person, he may have feelings that he feels. An anti-gay slur is a sign that you probably have some sort of issue with those that are homosexual. You looked at Josh Hader, who dropped an N-bomb in one of his tweets when he was 17 years old. Has he grown from that? Does he still feel that way? Is he still that kind of person? I don't know. And he had, what, the Denver Nuggets broadcaster in a tweet auto-correcting nuggets to something that should be stricken from the English language you know that's a little bit of a deeper issue because remember how auto-correct works auto-correct knows you probably better than you know yourself especially if you're in the media it's likely you're gonna send a lot of tweets it's likely you're gonna send a lot of text messages emails you're probably gonna type a lot of things a lot of words into your phone and if you've used the word that should be stricken from the English language in many of text, whether it's with buddies of yours who will never give you up, or just in general, there's a chance that that word might come up and autocorrect. And that's where this man has to be responsible for his actions. And it's, it's unfortunate because you don't want to see somebody lose their job over something that they didn't mean to do. But it's, it's a situation that somebody does, and this man does have to answer to it. He may pay for this situation with his job. And the answer to that may be, wow, you know what? I don't think he really meant that. I don't think it was really on purpose. And he might be right. The last thing that he may have been looking to do, as my uh, my microphone comes off, the last thing that he may be looking to do is to slur an entire race. But once again, if you're in the media, if you're in print, you have a responsibility for what it is that goes out there and what is said. And I feel and I feel kind of bothered about the reaction that certain people have. You're upset. You're bothered by it. You think that this person is a racist, and they may be. You know, it's it's no, there's no proof that this man is not a racist. I mean, anytime you put that that word in print anywhere, like I said, he may not have typed the word. He may have misspelled nuggets, and it could have come up, and it could have been the last thing that he was ever thinking about doing. But you got to be responsible for what you type. And I'm responsible for what I type and This is hopefully a message that should go out there to many other people. It's be responsible for what you type. Somebody that is not accomplished or hasn't done anything. Can go out there and really make a fool out of themselves, can put themselves in a position where they may never be looked at the same from their peers. And obviously it's tough when you're in a world of broadcasting. Tom Brenneman's got what thirty something years. He's a second generation broadcaster. His father, Marty, one of the best broadcasters of all time. And you know, most of us have heard Tom, whether it's Fox or you know, doing football or baseball. He's he's done thousands and thousands of games. Now, does that mean that he doesn't have any issues with homosexuals? Well, to say what he said obviously means that he's got some sort of issue. You know, something like that, what, even if you felt that way, it's probably something that shouldn't have been said at all, let alone with the possibility exist that a, a hot mic could be there. And think about it. I mean, he said it about four seconds later. He knew he was on the air. Uh, I mean, if, if he thought that way, that should have been something that he should have kept off the air. And you know what? There's probably a lot of other broadcasters that have homophobic feelings. There's probably plenty of broadcasters out there that have, you know, issues with race. But when you're on the air, you have a responsibility. And you could act that way and the consequences will probably be that you won't have a job or you're going to be ostracized and treated as if you are on a lower level. Another thing that, you know, you've heard me say on this show a couple times is how far we really have progressed in society. And how actions like this, whether it's Tom Brenneman, and I don't have the guy's name, the Nuggets broadcaster. Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. You know, he deleted his tweet. Um, obviously he he can't feel any worse about what happened. But when we see situations like this, there is such a reaction. And my initial thought is maybe it's an overreaction. Maybe we go out there and we take our own issues that we have with society that we're able to hold to ourselves and say, ha ha, I'm better than that person because I didn't get caught saying that. But I think of the other aspect of it too and how far we have really come. And there was a time where somebody would say something like that and it would kind of get swept under the rug. You know, sometimes there is a seven-second delay that could have taken something like that off the air, which I'm sure if there was, it would have been. If there was a delay when it comes to that man sending a tweet, there should be some sort of notification. Do you really want to send this? And if that if that tweet was deleted before it was even sent, then nobody would know about it. But we have seen kind of a majority come out there against racism, against homophobia against treating those that are different as as their outcast in society. And it's gotten way more support. Black Lives Matter as it exists right now, whether you are for it or against it, has been successful. And it may bother you to hear that. You may be a white that is down on black people that wants to see black people fail Black Lives Matter not only has the support of all black people, it has the support of white liberals and has the support of Generation Z. It's way more people than it ever has before. It's done way more than Martin Luther King and and his walks against the injustices of the society and its system. And we see instances like this that get brought up when we're talking about Individuals that say things that they shouldn't say, and you look at the backlash. And maybe it's over the top. Maybe it's a little bit too much. You know, maybe Tom Brenneman should be able to broadcast the game again. You know, maybe this broadcaster for the or the writer for the Denver Nuggets should have a job again. And I agree with it. I agree that anybody has the right to work. You know, some mistakes are treated a little bit differently now. If Tom Brenneman said what he said in 1955, and not to say that his father would, but his father covers obviously a lot further back in the time of baseball history. If Marty Brenneman said that in 1965, would it get the same reaction that his son has gotten for saying in any year of 2020? And the answer is probably no. And it just shows how far we've come in society that we're not accepting that type of behavior and speech. And I think it's it's great to see that we've gone as far as we have. Now, following some basketball games, it looks like you know, the Boston Celtics off to a good start, whether it's, you know, you got the Dallas Mavericks beating the Los Angeles Clippers. And the question is, in a series like this, could Dallas end up beating the Clippers? And you're talking about one game. You're talking about something that may not necessarily be um, the determining factor in a series. But Dallas to win a game, quote unquote, on the road, obviously in a bubble setting in Florida, Orlando, you wonder. The Clippers were looked at at least the prohibitive favorites to play in the Western Conference Finals. Everybody's marveling over the possibility of a Lakers-Clippers-Western Conference Finals. And probably anything that falls short of that will not get the national attention, especially the attention from the diehard NBA basketball fan. I expect the Clippers to win this series. I wouldn't get too bent out of shape over a bad performance, and it was. The Mavericks pull away in this one, winning the game by 13. But we do, we are missing home court advantage as it has existed in the world of basketball. Not just with no crowds there, but, you know, games not played in their own cities. The Clippers playing all the way on the other side of the country. They couldn't be any further away from home. Is that a disadvantage? Do teams that are closer to Florida, perhaps the Miami Heat, have a little bit of an advantage as these playoffs are getting started? I don't know. You know, there's going to be no fans there. But I do think there's a comfortability if you are a player that plays in a certain city. And I understand Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. It's not like they're, they've been in L.A. Their, you know their entire basketball careers. they've obviously played in different places paul george was in indiana he was in oklahoma city kawhi leonard was in san antonio and toronto but i wonder how the demographics of the setting playing all the games in orlando are going to impact the teams that are used to being in different parts of the country did that was that a factor in the mavericks beating the clippers because it's not like the mavericks had an advantage They're coming from Texas. They're coming through halfway through the country. It's not like they're anywhere closer to home. Just some things to think about. And obviously it's still, and I mentioned this last week when we did the show, just how how weird and bizarre it is to be in a spot where we're sitting here right now talking about basketball playoffs. I'm watching some games and I'm enjoying it a little bit. As a basketball fan that I am, but I'm also looking at it, say, seeing it's like 100 degrees outside. You know, in Orlando, it's got to be, you know, well over 100 degrees. And I'm looking in the stands and I see the advertisements and I see no fans in the stands. And if I watch more than one game, it's as if I'm watching a game in the same place. You know why? Because it is the same place. Just a weird year when it comes to sports. And you think of baseball and the amount of changes that they're looking to do, the 16 teams in the playoffs. You know, to me, it's very hard to be a sports fan this year. And for somebody that lives, eats, breathes, sleeps, sports, it's hard for me to get into it. You know, it's good to talk about it. I'll talk about any sport and I have no issue with it. But the, you know, you're looking at what is going on outside of the world of sports. And remember, sports were there for a reason. Sports were brought in to keep that fan's mind compensated when we're trying not to think about other things. You're thinking about the coronavirus. You're thinking about... Whatever evils exist in a world of politics that we continue to obsess ourselves with. We're thinking about maybe personal issues, whether it's financial, whether they are, you know, issues within your own family or friends. And then we turn on the tube to watch a baseball game or in this case, an NBA playoff game. And we still want to think about that for a little while. And that's the great message that sports can bring to the entire country to a group of people that may be reeling. This hasn't been a good year for very many people, probably anybody. It's hard to make the case that this has been a good year for any individual person, but Hey, you know, some things have probably happened really good for some people as we hit what we'll call the closing point of the past fall show reminder the PBS is brought to you by JohnPiella.com, by St. the Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But that's one of the things that I enjoy about sports, because I can watch sports and not think about anything less. And I think as we're moving forward and we look at the teams getting set you know, in the NBA playoffs, you got the Lakers and the Clippers, like I mentioned before, really looking like the two favorites. And if one of them happened to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals or the Toronto Raptors in the finals, I think they would be the favorite. Now, it's amazing how Toronto has played. Toronto, after losing Kawhi Leonard, were expected to kind of take a little bit of a of a drop. They won the NBA championship last year. They wanted to bring back Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi decides he wants to go play in Los Angeles with the Clippers, team up with Paul George. And you know, you're expecting to see the Toronto Raptors take a step back. But they didn't. A little bit of a recap of the show today. We've talked about Fernando Tatis and the overblown story about the guy swinging at a three and zero pitch or the team up seven runs. As silly as that sounds, as much as it sounds like somebody's out there just whining and crying and acting like a petulant child, you know, you think of all the ramifications that would be if Fernando Tatis didn't. Hit that grand slam. What if the Texas Rangers came back to win? I brought up a scenario last year. The Mets had a six run lead in the ninth inning, lost to the Washington Nationals. Can never have enough runs. Remember any world baseball classic, Team Canada, trying to pile on some runs because it was one of the rules, the amount of runs scored was gonna be a tiebreaker to move yourself on to the next round of the world baseball classic. Well, Canada's trying to do what they're supposed to do. Team Mexico doesn't understand the rules or decides to get upset, police the game itself. And all of a sudden there's a big fight in the field. Problem is, is we talk about these unwritten rules. And I really, I look at unwritten rules as if somebody's trying to go out of their way to start a problem for no reason. There's no rule that exists that says there's a maximum amount of runs that you can score. There's no rule that exists that when you're up a certain amount of runs that you should stop trying. Because that other team still has the opportunity to compete. And unless you want to put in a forfeit rule and give that team that is down by a certain amount of runs an opportunity to go out there to the crew chief, the umpire that's in charge, and say, you know what, we no longer want to play, then I don't want to hear about that crap anymore. Talked about Tom Brennan, Brennan's comment that he made on a hot mic something that was not suitable for the air something that was not consistent with the values of your everyday american should he lose his job over it like i said if he did i wouldn't be surprised but one of the things that it's pointing out is that this type of behavior these type of comments these type of feelings are treated a lot differently than they used to be you know i used to be able to say stuff like this if you felt this way around your friends now your friends are going to be the first ones to out you because there's behavior that is now considered unacceptable and we've really moved a far place in society i do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball ball show we'll be back with you probably next week check out johnpl.com like i said we got the top 100 offensive position players of all time I got links on each one of the players' names. If you go up on the site, you can take a look at their baseball reference page. I think some of the Negro League's players will went to Wikipedia, so you learn a little bit more about them if you're not sure. I'm sure you're going to look at the name Ross Barnes if you're not a diehard baseball historian and fan and wonder who the hell that is. And I think you should know that he was one of the best pl- offensive position players to ever play. Obviously, we're going to continue to progress towards the book I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to bring discussion about the history and baseball and really everything that's happened over the 150 years that have preceded us. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, i see you on the other side.